Hello and welcome to the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast. My name is Andy Tier, and each week here on this podcast, we explore what it truly means to live and love like Jesus. And we do this as we follow his example of being with God, being with others, and being sent. This is a special episode of the podcast as today we will be playing an interview that we recorded of our local engagement lead, John Heflick, with two local law officers. Officers Mario Reed and Josh Brewer are the mental health and the homeless liaisons for the Evansville Police Department. They both fill unique roles as they work closely with several agencies here in the Evansville area to provide care and support for an often overlooked subset of our community. In our current sermon series at Crossroads, we're exploring what God's real love looks like, and not just how we can experience it for ourselves, but also how we can live it out in the places where we live, work, and play. Now this, of course, includes our city, and Officers Reed and Brewer bring a unique boots-on-the-ground perspective to very practically loving the homeless and the mentally ill populations within our community. Let's listen in now on this fascinating conversation between John Heflick, Officer Mario Reed, and Officer Josh Brewer. Well, hello. Uh, My name's John Heflick. I'm the local engagement lead here at Crossroads, and I'm sitting with uh, two friends from EPD. And today we are going to discuss the intersection of homelessness, mental health, and policing in our city. And guys, would you go ahead and introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about what you do every day? Um, I'm Mario Reed. I'm a officer with Evansville Police Department. Um, I'm the mental health liaison officer for our department. And I work with high risk, high need um, individuals that are experiencing mental health crisis or experience um, symptoms of mental illness. And then I also coordinate our crisis intervention team and the crisis intervention team is the individuals officers that have 40 hours of training and they go out and they assist individuals that are in an acute immediate or emergent crisis where they may be having homicidal suicidal or maybe gravely disabled which means they are their symptoms of their mental illness is causing them to do something that would be an endangerment to their life during that initial period and that officer can go out and make an assessment with that individual and then get them to a hospital so they can get evaluated and get them into a safe situation. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. And I'm officer Josh Brewer also with the Evansville police department. Uh, I serve as the homeless liaison officer. Uh, so I work uh, mainly with those that are uh, people that are experiencing homelessness in our city uh, and also with the agencies that serve our homeless population. I work very closely with uh, different case managers with Aurora Homeless Outreach Team, Evansville Rescue Mission, uh, Southwestern Behavioral, uh, United Caring Services. So almost any agency, Echo Housing, I don't want to leave them out, but almost- Echo Health. Echo Health and Echo Housing. So almost you know every agency that uh, serves the homeless population, I'm able to work with them. And uh, we've been able to assist having the Evansville Police Department uh, involvement. We've been able to help get people into housing that maybe would not have uh, done so before. We're able to help uh, with warrants, uh, driver's lights, driver's license, things like that, helping get IDs, because that can be a very difficult thing. It may mm-hmm. seem like a simple thing, but a difficult thing if you are experiencing homelessness. Uh, and definitely can be hard to get to. So, uh, and also, you know, I work with Officer Reed. Um, uh, obviously, a lot of individuals that are on our streets, they do suffer from 
uh, some kind of mental illness or maybe a, a drug addiction. So uh, able to help in that way as well to get people connected to the resources that can get them where they need to be. Uh, again, we um, started this a few years ago. 2019 is when my position started and, and just trying to find a different way, a better way to interact um, with those experiencing homelessness in our city and uh, work together because uh, you can't arrest yourself out of a, a homelessness issue. Yeah. Um, so it just took a different approach. That is that is really great. You know, I, I've heard uh, a lot of uh, analogies and such, but the one that I, I think uh, might play into this is, you know, when when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and when you have one tool, everything becomes the application of that tool. And it's so awesome uh, to be in a city where you guys are not talking about just one tool, and we value, you know, the law enforcement. Um, protocols that you guys have and, and how you go about that and keeping us safe. But it sounds like you've got a lot more tools in your tool belt than uh, just simply enforcement of the law. And, uh, you know, could you tease that out in your specific environments a little bit? Like, what does that look like? Some of those non-law enforcement applications to what your job is? I think we both say at the same time to be relational relationships. Yes. Uh, the relationships that we've developed not only with the people that we serve, but also with the people we work with in other agencies. Uh, we've been able to do things that would not have gotten done before just because of the relationships that we've cultivated. Um, that's a, a huge part of our tool belt is having those relationships. We try to be as intentional as possible with mm -hmm. everything that we do and building those relationships with those community partners that he listed. We work with them on a regular basis. We also work with the prosecutor's office and the court system. And what we've been able to do is take a system of dysfunction um, and try to manipulate. And I know that's a terrible word to use, but manipulate the system that we have right now to make it more functional. Um, one of the things that we've seen repeatedly is people in the community or people in society say, well, we don't have enough services out there. We have plenty of services. What we have is a lack of access to the services that we have or sometimes a misapplication of the services that we currently have. One of the things that we've worked with is breaking down barriers and stigmas that that are that are in place, whether it's a stigma about what police are doing, whether it's a stigma of people with mental illness and what people say there's a stigma attached to that or getting treatment. I, I tell people every time I go speak somewhere, one in five people have a mental illness. I take medication every day for mental illness and I also have two learning disabilities. And that doesn't mean I wasn't able to be successful. I just had a different path that I had to go to get where I needed to go. And I think working within that system of dysfunction and, and getting people to the table that may not have gotten to the table before is really important. And also identifying problems and working, working to find a solution to those problems that are sometimes outside of what we would normally say is our wheelhouse. Yeah, it's, it's really important. I, I, yesterday at church, we were talking a little bit about that uh, a problem when you're far away from it always seems very simple, but the closer you get to complex. it, yeah, it's exactly right. <laughs> it gets more complex. 
And that's what I hear you guys saying is that, you know, by building relationships with folks who are currently unhoused, who are struggling with mental illness, that you're able to kind of take a different approach and help them in different ways than maybe a, a traditional law enforcement approach would would be. So what do you guys see from where you sit as kind of uh, maybe a top three drivers uh, that are pushing folks uh, you know, into homelessness? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what we see, you know, based on our experience here in Evansville and the individuals that we interact with um, on dispatched runs or if we get calls, Usually the individual that we come in contact with, it's mental illness, substance abuse, a combination of the two, and also a, a lack of supports. And those and that lack of supports could be as a result of that mental illness or that addiction issue uh, where, you know, they've been caught up in that for so long or haven't received treatment that they've they've burned bridges, you know, with family, with loved ones. And so here they are on the street with a lack of options. Um but definitely those are the main factors that I see. Mental illness, uh, I knew that it was a factor in homelessness before I started this position. But once I got into where I was every day interacting uh, with individuals experiencing homelessness here in Evansville, I realized that mental illness really was the issue. And whether that's mental illness or even drug-induced psychosis, drug-induced mental illness, uh, it's definitely something that has a, a stranglehold on the population that we work with every day and, and getting them the services um, and the treatment that they, that they need. Um, and we've had some pretty cool examples where we've been able to get people uh, help. There's one individual that I always like to bring up that was arrested over 80 times in Vanderburg County. He had been shot at the fall festival. Stabbed at the fall festival. <laughs> he had been uh, housed on multiple occasions, but he lost his housing every time because he had unmedicated schizophrenia and the voices in the walls were telling him to tear the walls apart. So obviously a landlord doesn't want him, so he can't stay housed. Uh, he had caused over $100,000, $150,000 worth of damage by mm. starting a fire underneath a bridge and burning out AT&T's electrical wiring. Uh, but this is an individual that... Uh, we were able to have a court-ordered mental health evaluation um, after he went into our SWAT building and tried to challenge our SWAT officers to a fight. You know, this guy's a danger to himself. He's a danger to others. He's going to get himself killed. He may harm somebody else. Um, and he, and again, it's because he has this mental illness and uh, he's using any kind of drug he can get his hands on to self-medicate himself. Uh, and so he did go to the state hospital for a little while and he's been back in Evansville housed in his own apartment for over two years now wow. with no negative police interactions. The only police interactions he's had is because we've stopped in to say, hey, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Thank you for checking on me. And so that is the model that we would love to replicate over mm. and over and over. And um, I'm sorry, I'm getting on a soapbox here a little bit. But, uh, you know, that is possible through follow-up case management, partnership. I mean, and that was not just an EPD thing. That was an EPD in Aurora, Echo Health, Echo Housing, Southwestern. This was a huge collaborative approach. And that's the cool thing that we have here. And um, 
having the case managers available to do that. I've got um, a case manager that works for one of these local organizations. She told me yesterday, her, or told me Friday, uh, her uh, caseloads, 50 people. Mm. You know, we need smaller caseloads because uh, a lot of individuals need somebody to hold their hand and really guide them through every facet of, you know, getting into an apartment. And, you know, when you've been on the streets for a long time, you've been chronically homeless and you get into an apartment, it's not like all the problems just go away. All of a sudden you're homeless in an apartment. How does this work? Yeah. So we definitely need more uh, case manager to, to help with situations like that. And what we've also seen is we have an individual that was homeless to start with. We do this process and they get housing and everyone's like, ah, he's got housing. So we're done. And it's like, no, that individual still has these underlying needs. We've just fixed one of the symptoms of these underlying needs. That treatment is a lifetime. They're, you know, they're in for a lifetime of treatment and we've got to make sure those things stay in place. Um, the unique thing about the, the story that Josh was telling was all the part community partners that were involved all did what was in their wheelhouse. Josh and I did the criminal part. Um, I worked with Josh to work with the prosecutor's office and working with the judicial side and his defense attorney and making sure they had all the information that they needed so that they could help their client make a good decision. But then also once we got to that step, knowing the system as it was and knowing how to understand that system, knowing that, um, Right now, one of the only ways to go to the state hospital is usually you're going to the state hospital because of a crime. And so knowing that that may be part of our process, we may have to file a criminal charge. Someone may spend a little bit of time in jail, but may be able to get treatment or be able to get to the place that they need to get because we're doing that. But we're not just saying, okay, you're going to jail or, oh, we got you an apartment or we're not stopping there. We're making sure that whatever that next step and then whatever that next phase, whether it's case management from Echo or Aurora or even after the fact, maybe they get assigned to Southwestern for their outpatient once they come back from, let's say, the state hospital or another long-term facility, then it's where are they going to do their care in between um, we've got also another big partner that we work with is Echo Health because they do a lot of work with um, low income or people who don't really have that access to their mental health. There are some individuals right now who have been um, due to their vi- due to violence or noncompliance or anything like that who aren't allowed who have been um, who providers won't see. And one thing that um, Josh and I worked on was getting that list of high risk, high need individuals who for the safety of the staff at these facilities could not treat these individuals. And there are some people that I still, or Josh goes to every single appointment with them until they're stabilized. Mm. But that was the contract that we had to come up with, with these providers so that this individual could get, get treatment. And I would have in my would have never dreamed that I was going to go to a doctor's appointment with someone to make sure that they could get treatment. And through that, you know, once again, that's something outside of the box securities within my, my wheelhouse going to someone's doctor's appointment. I, 
is not. But when you put those two together, it makes it possible for them to take advantage of a service that they would not be able to due to the, due to their past. Yeah. I I just looking, hearing you from a church perspective, you're pastoring these people. You are, you're shepherding them, not just from a negative perspective, but from a positive perspective as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty awesome. It's the verb part, not just the noun. Right. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, we have a lot of folks who, you know, on Sunday mornings, we were talking before this and coming home from church, going to church. Uh, it's a common occurrence to see folks with the sign on the side of the road at the intersections. Um, mine is uh, green river and Lincoln uh, as I'm coming home from church and they've got the, I need help and I need some, some f- money to get food. I'm homeless. Um, what advice would you give our folks on how to, let's talk about first, not necessarily what to do first. How should, how would you like our folks to think about that? Like, give us some process points to go through as you're standing at that sitting at that intersection. I know people's first response. Cause I even know, even though I, I don't know everything, but I know this system and I know how that system works. You know, your first feeling is your heart goes out to that individual and you feel guilty and you're like, I here I am in my car that I own. I'm going to my house where I can do whatever I want, where I'm going to maybe we're about to go out to eat, you know, like and then you see this person who doesn't have any of that. And so I start to feel guilty and I'm like, what should I do? And old me would have been, oh, I'm gonna give this dude 20 bucks because, you know, like I'm gonna go eat you know, somewhere and I could get a meal for 20 bucks and, um, and really rethinking if I give someone $20, what's going to happen with that $20? And am I making an investment in that individual or am I just paying for my guilt? So to go away mm. and like trying to figure out how I can be intentional and also how to, like we go back to like our main focus is relationships is to go back to if I give someone $20 so that I don't feel guilty, am I building a relationship with that person? Am I investing in that person? No, I'm doing something kind of like the Pharisees. I'm doing this so that I feel good. And so Mm. that other people can see what I'm doing, or we may have different reasons for it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's me centered. And so then then if we get out of me, then we can start looking at that other person and, and then start looking at where does this money go when I do this? And are there other options that we can do that can be a long-term um, investment in that individual as opposed to just giving or throwing that away so that we don't have to feel that way? But, I don't know. You, you kind of gave me a weird look when I said you were a pastor, but it, that'll preach. So I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> Can I have you up there on Sunday. I know like we got a, we, we got a whole different kind of relationship now. Uh, that, that is really good though. That kind of personal process stuff, because there's, there are verses in the Bible that talk about, you know, that the cup of water offered in Jesus name is, is a big deal. And we want to do that. We want to cultivate generosity within our people and never try to shut that down. At the same time, we have to be wise in our generosity. Would you mind sharing a story that you shared kind of as we were talking beforehand about maybe some of the unforeseen or not understood consequences of maybe some of those small donations? Yeah. Um, So, 
you know, just to kind of touch base again, just to going back to you see an individual at an intersection asking for money is, you know, the individual may not necessarily be homeless. Now they are in a crisis and we don't want to ignore them. We want to address that crisis and we want to do that in the right way. Um, unfortunately, uh, many of those that uh, we do see uh, panhandling in our streets, they do have um a mental illness or an addiction and just an example like we talked about earlier uh, so we went around and we actually interviewed almost every panhandler in our city this was back before this was pre-pandemic and uh so this was 1999 uh, 1999 <laughs> whoa 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 well, not that far ago 2019 <laughs> 2019 uh went out and, and interviewed um and spoke with and built relationship with uh people panhandling in our city and just to find out you know what you know what their situation was what you know if there was any kind of barrier they could remove from their life what would that barrier be and usually it was some kind of drug some kind of addiction and so what we've seen is a, a lot of times um we get called what's called a person down. And so that's somebody who may be laying on the side of the roadway or you know, laying in a park. Somebody sees them, hey, there's a person down. No, I don't know if they're breathing. Um, please come help. Here come the police, lights and sirens, code three as we call it. And because uh, that's our protocol, we have to get there, make sure you know if they're okay, render aid, uh, get an ambulance there. So you've got a police car, you've got a uh, an ambulance running, uh, you know, or with due caution, due regard, going through lights and getting there. But still, there is a danger when we're going there mm-hmm. with our license irons on and people need to be aware of us coming down the street and, and we need to be aware of them. But you show up on scene, okay, yes, this guy needs medical attention. This guy or gal needs medical attention. Uh, here comes the ambulance. We take him to the ER. You know, somebody gave him five bucks. They may have went down to the liquor store and bought a pint and now they're passed on the side of the road and now they're in an ambulance going to the ER. How much money did that just cost us? Uh, did it cost taxpayers in our city? And uh, an ambulance ride can be $5,000. An ER bed can be 5000 I mean, you're looking at $10,000 maybe. Um, and that's um, something that with the study that we did was also seeing how much money, you know, we actually give to panhandlers in our city. Uh, and this number's on the low end, but we calculated it was probably about $120,000 a year is given not to individual each, but total given to panhandlers in the city of Evansville. And, you know, if we really want to help somebody who is experiencing homelessness and get them housed, you know, we can house somebody for 500 bucks a month. I'm sorry, 50 bucks a month. If they, uh, if they do not have income, you know, uh, there are, we can house somebody for 600 for a, a year for $600. Those opportunities exist, um, and I'm sure we can get in contact with Aurora, and they can be like, "Yeah, these are the people we could house right now." You know, um, so just you know, thinking outside the box, other ways of helping. Uh, so um, rather than just giving that few dollars at the intersection, and that's another thing that we ask ourselves too: Are we really helping if we're seeing the same individual day after day, month after month, year after year? at the same intersection. And we see that. It's yeah. been the same people for years. And I've even verbatim, you know, in these interviews, they've told me, when I'm out here panhandling, things aren't going well. My addiction has gotten a hold of me when I'm out here. I'm out here to get what I crave, which is generally an illegal drug yeah. that messes with their mind. Yeah, and I think that's an, an important uh, kind of vision statement is you know, you're looking at a very myopic situation of this 
couple seconds of sitting in a light and with the person kind of staring in your window. And to your point, there is a lot of that um, almost impulse reaction mm-hmm. at that point. You know, it's, it's kind of like going through the checkout with your your child and, and they see the candy bar and they want the candy bar. And, and so you give them the candy bar because they're throwing a temper tantrum and you don't want the social, you know, light on you that's negative like that other people will see. And so you give them the candy bar. That doesn't help that kid. Uh, that doesn't create, that doesn't help that kid become who God created him to be. That just helps you not, <laughs> not have that negative stares uh, from everyone else. And I think if we could see that person on the side of the road and say, God created them, the image of God is in him or her. And that person is valued, loved by God and can become everything that God created them to be. Will they be that way? If I, will it help them if I give them that Mm -hmm. five bucks, that 10 bucks, or would that be better spent? Hey, I'll roll my window down. I know the mission is over here. They're a, you know, a shelter. United caring is a shelter that we can go someplace where you can get a meal. You can get housed. You can have social workers working with you to help you get back on your feet. You can get mental health assessments and it just takes a little bit more of a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. If we can see the end goal, helping them be who God created them to be instead of just helping them over this temporary hurdle. And to me, that's a, that's a, a big reframe for church folks, especially as we, we tend to want things quick and, 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 it's an, and easy. And it's a process. It's lots of investment. Lots. And, you know, so our, um, we have the three E's, <laughs> education, encouragement, and enforcement. And we spend most of our time in the, in the education encouragement realm. We may be making individual, I mean, we may be making contact and um, with these individuals day after day. It may take, some of it may take one contact mm-hmm. to where we can get them on the right path. Some of it may take 50. Some of it may take 80 arrests, you know, before we can get them on the right, uh, you know, get them on the right path and and help them. Um, But uh, that's just something, you know, again, it's not a quick fix. It is complex. I I can think of uh, an example of one lady that uh, panhandling that was addicted to K2, which is synthetic marijuana, which is a a cheap mind-altering drug that can permanently fry a brain one time and even kill off one hit if you get the wrong stuff you know and i drove her to uh brentwood i you know and got just got her my car one day she's like i want to go drove her you know and then the next week she's back out again and she's you know she's the addiction is strong it's not a quick fix it's good we have individuals that we work with that they go through this cycle of mm-hmm. I'm going to get better. I'm going to stop for a minute and then they start again. But what we've noticed after we start building these relationships is they track us down. Like I have individuals who will be like, yeah, yeah I messed up um, and uh, I'm in trouble and I know I'm, I got a warrant or something, or I know something's coming and they'll say, Hey, this happened. Um, I know I'm going to get in trouble for it, but I'm, I I trust you enough to, I'm going to turn myself into you. And 
I know that when I get out, I need to find you again so that we can start this process again. And I've got several people I actually, it's funny on my way here, an individual that, um, I work with a lot and sometimes <sighs> my flesh gets the best of me because this person, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, irritates me to all end. But this person called me and said, Hey, I've been in, I know you haven't seen me in a while. I've been in jail in Kentucky. I'm about to get out. Um, I want to try to get back going. And so I know that tomorrow, the first thing I'm going to do is going to call, find out exactly where he is and work with him to get him set back up with some, something housing, um, get him probably get him set up in one of the shelters and get this process started all over with them. Even though I've probably, I've worked with this individual for about two years doing the same thing over yeah. and over again. And, um, I'm not going to stop doing that. And I even said, I'm, I'm honest, I'm human. I get irritated with this person yeah. and like possibly don't really even like this person. And I know that is not what you're expecting me to say, but that's, I'm, I have to be honest about that and understand that's something that I deal with, but I'm still going to do everything that I can because that's my calling. And that's what I'm supposed to do for this individual. And I'm supposed to love this person mm -hmm that I don't like yeah. because that's what Jesus said I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I know even this time he's going to do it for a while and then he's going to go back to his old behavior and we're going to do it all over again, but I'm not going to stop yeah. until we get where we're supposed to. And just like, you know, I, it's like reaching the 99, like I, like the shepherd stops everything for one yeah. and he does that over and over and over and over again. And we've got to do that. And we've got to really, when you talk about these relationships and investments, you talk about, you see this every day on your way home from church. If we have moments like that, you can go to the rescue mission and they mm -hmm. will tell you how you can get involved. Yep. You can go to Aurora. They will tell you how you can get involved. The United Caring Shelter, they'll tell you how you can get involved so that maybe you know that if that is, you see that person every Sunday, you know where that person is. They may be able to equip you with how to approach that individual. And maybe not that. Maybe can, with you and their staff, if you volunteer, you get the training, you can actually be part of that process. Yep. And if maybe that's not where you want to be with that, you can financially help those in those um, organizations do those things. And there's some alternatives you can have. I know um, a friend of mine that owns a car car lot in Evansville. Every six months, he's like, hey, what are some things that I can do? I want to help people out. He does these care packages and they do have like like deodorant and like toiletries and things like that. But he puts in gift cards for food and like small amounts to where we know like you know, $8 gift card to McDonald's is going to get you a meal. And it's not mm -hmm. because he's just trying to do a short term thing. It's just like he does that. But with what what he's put in there is there's the numbers for the rescue mission. There's numbers for mm -hmm. different places for mental health. There's there's numbers and things. And he's going out and making those relationships with those individuals individually as, you know, uh, his own ministry that he yeah. does because he has he's been blessed with resources. And so he's going to try to bless other people. And when he goes and does that, he says, Hey, the same person I just gave them to, you want to go check this person out? I know they're usually here. And so yeah. I'm able to make a connection through that. And he's, that's his part of 
this process, yeah. but he was just like that before he used to say, I see him on the side of the road. I feel bad. I'm gonna give him 20 bucks. And I was like, don't do that. And so he's changed how he does that. And he's more intentional. And then he has these relationships with these individuals. He's in, he, one of the people that is now one of his mechanics at his shop, um, working that works on his cars was a guy that he started with giving him one of those care packages. Oh, cool. And now he works for him full time. Yeah. Yeah, so what I hear you guys saying is that that this is a really big team, <laughs> a, a really big team, and we all play you know little different parts in this, and that includes everyone who drives by those people, that includes our whole community, not just the people who necessarily interact with them. The that's uh, includes folks who donate and can help fund some of these organizations, and one of our core partnerships is Evansville Rescue Mission. And they do amazing work uh, with guys who, and I know you guys work with them a lot too. Uh, one of the resources that I could suggest if you're interested in learning more about kind of how to process these kind of interactions is a great book called One Helping Hurts, or there's a video series called Helping Without Hurting. Uh, it would be on YouTube put out by lifechurch.tv. And these are great resources to help from a faith-based perspective, understand how do I really help folks uh, to help them become who God created them to be and in the process, not through just not understanding what to do, not end up hurting them or undercutting the process. Because like you guys said, we're on a big team and we lock arms with the police department and with nonprofits and with the faith-based communities and with churches uh, and together you know, we can make a dent in these very, very big issues. So I really want to thank you guys. Thank you for your approach. Thank you for your hearts. Uh, thank you for pastoring people who uh, may not see pastors very often. So we appreciate you. you guys. Thank you. My thanks again to officers Reed and Brewer, as well as our local engagement lead, John Heflick. For links to the services mentioned within this episode, please go to cccgo.com forward slash podcasts and check the notes for episode 52. For more information on our current sermon series, you can go to media.cccgo.com and click the Real Love banner. Now I pray that today's episode has inspired you to go and to live in love like Jesus.